And we're going to be moving into looking at the Word now. Peter's going to be uh, taking us into Luke. So we're, uh, we're, over this little season, we're looking at five encounters that different people have with Jesus uh, in the Gospel of Luke. So we looked at Jesus, Jesus and Satan. Uh, that was Paul Golf a couple of weeks ago. And then last week, uh, Dan and Kate looked at Jesus and Peter. And today, um, I'll let Peter tell you what he's, what he's going to take us into. We're going to, uh, uh, so that's our, that's our plan now. So uh, thank you, Lord, that we can, we can worship you and thank you for the strength and the, the, the wholeness and the peace uh, that you give us when we know that, 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 that you're God and that you're good and that you have things in hand. And we pray as we look at the, the Bible now that you feed us and you know, further and equip us and strengthen us. Amen. Make sure I'm on my spot. Okay? All good. All good. Hello everyone. Um, I'd like to say it's nice to see you, but it's nice to see the back of Chris's phone and uh, to kind of be with you this morning. Um, I want to start by reading the passage that we're looking at. We're looking at uh, a passage from Luke 5, uh, verses 17 to 26. I'm going to read it out and then we'll, we'll get into it and have a look at what it says. Um, I'm reading from the New uh, International Version. Jesus forgives and heals a paralysed man. One day Jesus was teaching and and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee, from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralysed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd... They went up onto the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles to the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your heads, in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Okay, so looking at this passage, I just want to go through the verses and and pick out a few things before before thinking about what it means uh, for us in, in, in our world now. I think the first thing to say about this is that Jesus knew how to attract a crowd. People have come from miles around, without buses, without any, you know, public transport to get there. They've walked to see him. He clearly is uh, magnetic and capable of bringing people together. And he, he is, we're actually told very little in this story about what, um, is, is happening um, uh, in, in this story. We have a lack of the details of what's going on. 
And that's actually, I think, intentional. I think that what is going on here is that Jesus was healing regularly. Um, we know from other parts of the Bible, Mark um, uh, 8.35, uh, 9.35, for example, where he went through villages healing people. So this wasn't um, unusual. What was unusual about this story was that the man was brought through the roof, which, when you think about it, if you're recording healings, that's going to be one that you remember. And the kind of way in which this story comes across to me is that it's it's almost like they don't need the details because it's... Do you remember that one where the, the guy was brought through the roof? Do you remember that, do you remember that occasion? And it, it comes across that we, we don't have the detail because it was just like, oh, yeah, that was just the most amazing thing about that one. But there were many healings going on all the time um, throughout Jesus' ministry. So a feature of this passage is that actually... We don't know an awful amount of the details. And what that means is that when you look at it, it's quite comical, really. In a kind of understated Bible sort of way, we have in verses 18 and 19, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him in to the house through the crowd. So the first thing we notice about this is that they're late. If you had a man that you wanted to bring before Jesus and he's flat out on the mat, you might think, well, we'll get there early and we'll get in front of uh, the queue and we'll get him in front of Jesus. But no, they arrive late. And when they get to wherever this building is, we're not told, they can't get the paralysed man in. So someone, we don't know who, quick thinking, thinks, I know what we'll do. We'll get him up on the roof and then we'll break the roof and we'll get him down uh, into uh, into the, this crowded room in front of Jesus. It's almost comical. Could you imagine? Jesus is there, he's teaching, he's got a huge crowd there, and all of a sudden, there are bits coming down. Now, I don't know much about first century Israeli architecture, but I suspect that moving those tiles caused a lot of disturbance. And then, we just don't know how did they bring him down. What did they do? Did they, did they have ropes with them? They, they, this seems spontaneous. All these minor details, which to me I really want to know, Luke doesn't tell us. And that's not a problem, actually, for reasons that we'll, we'll come to see. So, the other thing to note about this paralysed man is that we're not even told his name. We don't know much about him at all. We don't know how old he is. We don't know how long he's been paralysed. We don't know where he's been or or anything. We don't know the relationship of the men who bring him um, to him. They may have been his brothers. They may have been friends. They may not have been. We just don't know. But I always think it's a bit of a shame that he doesn't even get to be named. And and for centuries now, he's been remembered as the paralysed man. And it's a shame because actually he's remembered for what he was and not for what he became. It's rather like um, Ebenezer Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge is remembered for what he was, not what he became. He became generous. So if people yell out at you in the coming weeks, Scrooge, you're such a Scrooge, be thankful. Because Scrooge was generous at Christmas. That's just something to remember. So we don't know much about the details of this story. We don't know really what happened. But what we do know is that when this paralyzed man was lowered before Jesus, Jesus simply said, friend, your sins are forgiven. 
Now, we don't know the response of the paralyzed man. A human reaction might have been, well, thanks very much, but really I'm here because I want to walk. I'm, I'm tired of being paralyzed. I want to be healed. And yet Jesus says, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, the paralyzed man would have understand, uh, understood that culture that he lived in, that the relationship between being uh, uh, paralyzed and being sinful was a very much a close one. They, they, in that culture, it would have been understood that somehow you'd done something wrong and that the gods were punishing you for it and therefore you were paralyzed. So to be so, told your sins are forgiven, that would have resonated, but he's still not walking. He's still there lying on that mat with loads of people surrounding him, all presumably thinking, yeah, you are. You're cursed. So for Jesus to say your sins are forgiven is goes to the bone to him. It's difficult for him to hear. I'm speculating here. It's so difficult with this passage, actually, not to speculate. But he would have understood that relationship. Now, the Pharisees also would have understood what Jesus was saying. Um, And it's interesting, actually, in this, that they are thinking to themselves. They don't actually say anything um, out loud. They don't kind of get up and yell. They don't attack Jesus. They don't rip their clothes. They are thinking to themselves, to themselves, who is this man? Who is he that he can forgive sins? Only God think, can forgive sins. Think about their heritage. Think about the centuries of, the t- of teaching that they had. If you go back to Exodus 20, 20, it's, the Ten Commandments are written in stone. And at the end, Moses says, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you and keep you from sinning. The, for century upon century, for generation upon generation, they had understood that this the notion of he of, of forgiving sin only came from God, God alone. So for, for Jesus to stand before them and say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, means he is saying that he is God. He's saying that he has authority. In fact, he goes on to say, to this, say this. So if we jump then on to verses 22 to 25, Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. The healing is secondary. That's the easy, Jesus actually uses the word, it's easy for him to do this. It's easy for him to forgive sin. It's easy for him to say to this paralyzed man, get up, walk and go home. This is easy for him because Jesus has authority and his authority comes from God. Jesus is announcing, this interaction that we have in in Luke's gospel is, is Jesus announcing that he is God. This is who he is because it's easy for him to forgive sin and it's easy for him to say to a paralyzed man, get up 
and go and walk. Jesus carries authority and power not only to heal, but also to forgive sins. So if we move on to verses 25 and 26, immediately he stood up in front of them, took his, uh, uh, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed. Everyone was amazed. Presumably even the Pharisees were amazed at this. And went home full of awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. I love the way that kind of like, oh, wasn't that remarkable? Wasn't that remarkable? He came from the roof and then he just got up and walked home because Jesus said his sins were forgiven and that you could do, that he could do so. What a remarkable, quite understated, I always think. So what does this mean for you and me today? The key to understanding this passage is to understand who Jesus addresses um, that, that remark to. Um, friend, your sins are forgiven. Of course it's to the paralysed man, and the paralysed man is healed. In that setting, it was to the Pharisees. He's announcing to the Pharisees who he is. He's, he's making it very clear what is going on, and that uh, he has authority. But of course it's also to us. When he says, friend, your sins are forgiven, because of the cross, we know that that still applies to us. Our sins are forgiven because of the cross of Jesus Christ. This is what he came to do. He came to heal us. I wonder if you ever play that game of who you would invite um, to a, a, a meal. If you could invite four people, alive or dead, who you would invite. Um, I, I wrestle with this. I kind of um, want it to be representative. I think at the moment it would be, well, it would always be Martin Luther King. I'd love to meet Martin Luther King. It would, it would, um, we saw a great documentary on Dolly Parton the other day, and I'd really like to meet Dolly Parton. That would be amazing. But when you think about those interactions, when you think about how that dinner party would go, those people, whoever they might be, those famous people don't know you. They've never met you. So actually, the dinner party would just be you interviewing them, wouldn't it? Or it would be your perception of who they are. Now, the difference here is that when Jesus meets us, he knows us. So it is an interaction. So he comes in and he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, we aren't told about how the paralyzed man responded. But when you think about it, what is a better question, what a better remark, better opener to hear from Jesus Christ? Friend, your sins are forgiven. What could be better than that? Much better for the paralyzed man to hear that than to hear, get up and walk. Because that will only last for a few years. When Jesus says, friend, your sins are forgiven, that's a last, that will last for eternity. It's, it, it will last for all time. Because when your sins are forgiven by God, you are restored and you are into relationship with God. You are, you, 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 you have as, um, we're thinking about for, for Tuesday, it's a restoration of our souls. Our sins are forgiven. We really, we, we, we are adopted by God. That's the, that's the level of restoration. And when you think about it, I, I, I've just 
you could pick so many passages from the letters following um, on from the Gospels in the Bible. And Paul is explaining that truth time and time again about the restoration that we have when we accept that our sins are forgiven. Take, for example, I, I, pick, I could pick so many. Ephesians 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, but because of the great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and sealed us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We're alive in Christ because of this uh, this healing. Alive in Christ. So the paralysed man going away praising the people in awe of what they'd seen, that, that is a kind of an illustration, if you will, of the restoration that there is in Christ. The fact that he leapt is brilliant, that he was healed, of course it was. God, Jesus had shown him great mercy. But actually, far greater than that was that he had become alive in Christ. Friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, I've accepted this. I want to just share with you. I, I um, In preparing this, I shared up to that point with Helen, my wife, and Helen said to me, yep, yeah, that's great, yeah, that's, that's fine, that's what the commentary said, but what does that mean for you? What does that really mean in our day-to-day life? What does that mean in, in terms of uh, living out the knowledge that we are healed, that we are forgiven, that we are restored? How does that manifest itself? Now, there are times, now I understand I understand that. That has been, I, I, I have called myself a Christian for, for decades now. And I understand that Jesus heals, that he forgives. Um, how do I live that out in my life? Do, do, um, am, I, am I aware of that all the time? Now, I am aware of that. But I have to be honest that there are times where there are ups and downs. Um, at a, a recent um, men's breakfast, Guy uh, shared with us, and you can read about it in the fortnightly news. I'm, I'm great that it's great that the notes are there. But he he, he talked about the, the these ups and downs, and that actually, often it's in the valley, it's when you're down low that God is working. And, and is restoring. And we're in a tough time, aren't we, at the moment? As uh, the film Silas just said, it's not good news that we're tier three and um, we've all the kind of implications for that. And it's been, it's been a slog this year to get through. And many have really suffered and we, 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 um, we're all aware of that. Um, how do I respond to that as a Christian? What do I cling on to when actually in the face of it I'm fed up in this season? Well, I think that there is, um, my, my initial instinct is that you dig in and that you um, persevere 
because that brings character. But also, I think that you, um, or, or, or for me, you, you, you find space and you rest. You lean against the love that Jesus has, this great mercy for us that is spelt out in that passage just read from Ephesians. You find space, you go for a walk, you, you, you spend time with God, you read the Bible, you just have a quiet moment wherever you possibly can. And I know we're all in different settings and that can be, that can be different, difficult. But also you need to be reminded of um, the fact that, and this is where Paul explains this, there's nothing that can separate us from this love of God. Romans 8, um, verses uh, 38 and 39. Um, I know you're not supposed to have a favourite passage. I, my favourite passages of the Bible change all the time, but this, is, this has to be up there. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nothing, any viruses, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing can do it. Nothing in this world can separate. And you might think that you're late to the party. You might think that, actually, it's not for me. How can God possibly forgive me? I know I think that sometimes. All that I've done in my life, how can he possibly... You know, this, this message is for the kind of... Uh, the first division Christians, not for Christians like me. And yet, it's never too late. The paralysed man was brought late. The crowds were already there. He was right at the back. They perse- his friends persevered and they got him in. And that just illustrates that it's never too late to come before our Lord and say, Father, I need your forgiveness. And what does he say? Friend, you're forgiven. You're healed. You're restored. That's restoration for our souls. So this is a great interaction um, with Jesus in Luke's gospel. Um, Amazing that in just a few verses, uh, without the details of the story, Jesus announces who he is, that he is God. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Really rich, eh? Really rich looking at um, that passage and just digging into the guts of it. I find that really just encouraging. And uh, So... Uh, we're going to come, come into land there, and uh, I think we'll finish with, um, let's, just, let's just take a minute and just, I wonder if we could just, just return to that house on the, we don't know quite where it was, do we, Peter? It might have been on the edge. This is Galilee behind us, this water. So it would have been somewhere on the hills around this. this it, was a, it was a real place. And uh, I, I love the way that Peter kind of brought it to life by you know, looking at some of the details, thinking through some of the details, like, I, I never thought that, but that's a the dust falling on Jesus' head as he's preaching. It feels a bit cheeky, doesn't it? And, um, but this is, this is the God that we love and that we follow, is that he was, he was really here. He was really amongst us. And um, so let's just have a minute just, uh, just, just thinking about that place and that interaction. wonder what comes to mind for you.
sweaty people crowded into a, into a house listening to Jesus. I wonder what the, um, I wonder what the, the sort of, the mood in the room was like. Were you getting these angry people that were out to, out to get Jesus? Other people that were really blown away and really, uh, just, just wanted to hear more, wanted to see more. And I wonder what the interactions were, um, with that man afterwards and the people that laid him down through the roof and had, you know, what happened the next day. So just as Peter's brought that, that passage to life for us, maybe in a fresh way, uh, the encouragement and, and, the, and the purpose of this, the purpose of feeding on the Bible is it, is it, is it, is it gives us that strength and that courage and that, that awareness of who God is and who we are. And in light of that, we can live differently. And Peter talked about the, the knowing that we're forgiven, knowing that we're loved by God. And that just sets us up um, to be able to live life well in these challenging times. So Lord, thank you for all that Peter's brought this morning. And thank you for this time together. And we do pray for each other as your church. We pray. Let's, let's think about each other now as we pray. Lord, we, we pray for our brothers and sisters who are with us here. We pray you strengthen, you encourage, you continue to feed and inspire um, us as a church. And we encourage each other to take, to take risks, to take positive, good risks of following Jesus and, and living in light of who he is and what he's done. Thank you. Amen. Great, so we'll finish there. And as we said at the beginning, um, we've got One Church One Day on Tuesday. The, the schedules for that are on Instagram and Facebook. Great to be together as a community like this, you know. It's great to be able to celebrate the birth of little Isabella um, and great to be able to sing to her. And Christy, happy birthday to you and blessings to all of you. See you next time.